June 2nd, 1835, P.T. Barnum and his circus toured the U.S. for the first time, sparking the imagination of every child who ever dreamed of kidnapping an elephant. Welcome to The Revisionists. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And our guest is longtime friend of the show, super, super funny. Please welcome back Daniel Reskin, everyone. Hello, revisionists. Hello, Zach. Hello, Brian. Hello, everybody. <laughs> and may I say, hot time somewhere in the city, back of my neck, How is it? dirt and gritty. Mm. It is very hot where I am, so if I am semi-lucid during the recording here today, just know that I am suffering the early stages of heat stroke. I don't know right. if that has stages. Heat stroke of genius, perhaps? No, I'm pretty sure. I've, it has at least one stage, I think, in between. The stroke stage? Yes. Uh, and also, that's Zach with the weather report to kick off. That's right. Off How's everyone's yet? back of their neck? Hot and gritty? Sweaty? Use that grit uh, on some, some toast later. I think the it's lyrics are... I'm not sure about the lyrics of this song. I've always heard it as... Dirt and gritty, not even dirty, just dirt, just dirt and gritty. Back of my neck, dirt and gritty. And that's—I thought it was hot because it was about the, the weather, but you know, well, it's a hot town the summer dirty. in the city. Sure, sure. You don't want to get too repetitive with the hot. Well, then you know what? We're gonna get the fact checkers on this. And uh... Dairy Queen knows one hot, one hot, one cool. You don't want hot eats and hot treats. You want hot eats and cool What treats. would even be a hot treat? I guess a pie, maybe. Like a hot yeah, pie. Yeah, there's a lot of hot mm. treats. Okay. A hot fudge sundae has it right in the name. Well, okay, but it's not like entirely hot. It's it's really about the duality well, of hot one, and cold. Yeah, that one plays with the nature of temperature. <laughs> it makes you rethink <laughs> what you expect out of a foodstuff. Vis-a-vis Tem- vis temperature. <laughs> I forgot about your dissertation. Yeah, I wrote, wrote, uh, yeah, uh, hot eats and cool treats. uh, A new truth or a lie from the baby boomers? (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I was wondering how you'd pull out that subtitle. Uh, Well, listeners, if you're new to the show, each episode one person presents a hot eat and another person presents a cool treat from history. There you Uh, go. uh, The hot is a metaphor for truth and the cool is a metaphor for lies. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, And the winning story becomes the truth going forward. That was Uh, a very bare bones explanation of what we do. Look, I I think it'll bear itself out. Um, By the way, it's called The Revisionist. I can't remember if we said that or not. Um, uh, if you listen to the previous episode, Jeanette Rankin with Christy Bukley, uh, you'll be satisfied to know that the true history, uh, won out in the end, uh, despite my, I'm not going to say best efforts. Um, <laughs> hey, you know, you, you, you know, know your C minus efforts. Yeah, it's not my best. You were using the the Marvel wind, and uh, I dug it. Asgardian. We need. We we would need more Asgardian representation in in our houses of, of legislation. True. I think the revisionists is is sadly low on Asgardians. <laughs> That I mean, I will say, last time I presented an alternate history having just seen Infinity Wars, and today I am judging having seen a 9 a.m. showing of uh, A Quiet Place. Uh-oh. So my day has been all fucked up. Oh, you'll love mine in that I didn't have time to write an alternate history, so it's going to be nine minutes of silence. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, uh, this time, Daniel, you're doing the actual history. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, last time I did the alternate history, so I figured I'd switch it up. Mm-hmm. Because my uh, turning story of cannibalism into a tale of homoerotic love and sacrifice just wasn't good enough for the viewer poll. <laughs> Not that I'm bitter, uh, but I mean. It still re- it still remains fan fiction, is what I'm saying. No, I'm a little I mean, I'm a little sad about it. It's in the multiverse. It's you know working its working its way <laughs> around. I don't know what that means. It, it gives me yeah. some Rick and Morty reassurance <laughs> there. Sure. It's it's actually I've I've heard it's one of the top ten fanfics on a fic of our own dot com. <laughs> yes. In the NC seventeen category. <laughs> in, yes. Too too hot for legal. Wait, is that a real website? Possibly. I think it could be. There's I'm a website sure that is. has a name like that. That okay. is, yeah. and definitely one with that function. But yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there's dozens with that function. Oh no, we we started our own deviant art page, <laughs> just based on art from people's fantasies in the podcast. Well, these people oh, really? create yeah, yeah. their deviance. Deviance. They they create their deviancy with words instead of pictures. <laughs> <laughs> oh goddamn it! Also, this episode we're discussing uh, James Reese Europe. Uh, so, if we're all ready? We are. All right. Okay, Daniel. let's take a tour of Europe. Take it away. Okay. <laughs> That's what he said whenever he did a testicular self-exam. <laughs> yeah, there's probably a lot of... Uh, Which, probably... by the way, listeners, we do not advise testicular self-exams. Get a doctor to check out your <laughs> no, testicles. No, a doctor will tell you to do self-exams. What yeah, the yeah, they're I like... I am at that age now. Mm, okay, fair enough. <laughs> viewers do testicular self exams. <laughs> Take a moment right now, viewers. You know what? Women do a breast exam. You know, mm-hmm. males get those, those testes. Ma- look for any you, lumps. This is this is like headspace. It's a guided testicular self exam. Yeah. Are you at work? Are you on the subway? There's never a wrong time <laughs> wrong. for a testicular self exam. <laughs> That's why we have pockets. Mm-hmm. At a fancy dinner, beating your in laws' family. <laughs> That's what James Reese Europe would want. <laughs> Examining someone else's testicles? They throw two for one. Not Brian, hashtag me too. It is not the time. <laughs> well, like in a, in a medical capacity, I meant Get to say. consent oh, okay. and then, yes, squeeze yeah. all the, the squeezables of your friends and family <laughs> and make sure they're okay. Make sure there's no hard crab-like lumps in there. <laughs> crab, crab-like lumps. And they can't, Listen, sir. Like I think jumbo. we could all agree, if you're going to touch somebody else's personal areas, it's best to do it out of love, not lust. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Yeah, the lo- or a healthy, lumps. healthy That's combo. Our for the revisionist testicular self-exam month, mm-hmm. all all June because it's summer in the city. Anyways, <laughs> let's talk about the back, this of, ba- back of my lumps or dirt and gritty. <laughs> let's talk about this pioneer of uh, African American uh, music Don't worry, and I'm culture. Put the Patreon ad in between this and he, there, so there'll is. be a little breathing room. <laughs> Hey there, this is Brian reminding you that The Revisionist is supported by listeners just like you. You can make a pledge and get rewards like shirts and even the right to vote over at patreon.com slash the revisionists. Yes, so this this is a gentleman who has been described as the Martin Luther King of music. Hmm. Uh, he, in, in the way, he's a pioneer of um, getting negro music to be popular in a time when it was still called negro music 
<laughs> so that you should this... also note immediately he was called the Martin Luther King of Music. Like, I guess when they came up with that name, it was pretty revolutionary because Martin Mom. Luther King was not so much born yet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this was 1880. Yeah. Uh, it was Mobile, Alabama, but um, Mobile. Yeah, I think it's Mobile. It's Mobile, yeah. <laughs> but I was just picturing like a nice baby learning about the states. Yeah, no, think about the way to remember it is somebody in Mobile, Alabama, uh, or somebody from Alabama in general, when they first heard about mobile phones, when they tried to read mobile, they would say Mobile. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they all do. Hit me up on my Mobile. So he was taught piano at a very early age from his sweet mama. And uh, it was big into music. Uh, she hired a, an army um, musician to teach him violin. And he eventually followed his brother out to New York, where he just started winning people over right away with his talent, his magnetic personality. Uh, he just had a way of making friends. And um, everyone was, was happy to receive him there. So he, he realized uh, how little opportunity black musicians had in the scene uh they had no offices to be contacted in which was weird because in other areas of culture black people had so much opportunity (laughs) you know yeah they were just for some reason in music they were killing it in legislation congress right Mm -hmm. yep tennis no uh, you know trying to survive in the, the art the arts yeah. being like one of the first cracks in the wall elevator mm-hmm. operators they were uh, <laughs> yeah they had um, so much opportunity. only so many buildings yeah so the um yeah you know arts and entertainment being one of the, the first equalizers even though those people would like perform on the same stages and then not be allowed to stay in the hotels and all that kind of stuff um, but even this was like way earlier, you know, World War One hadn't even happened yet. Uh, and so he opens up his own space called the Clef Club. And uh, that's a place that serves as offices for the musicians. It's a concert hall and a performance space and a safe space, which, which was definitely not something he called it, but was definitely <laughs> a function of having a safe place to be. Yeah. Um, so he, he uh, started making his dreams of kind of educating and spreading this, all this music and um, like genuine musicianship, real orchestra. He, his uh, big accomplishment was creating a, a symphony orchestra and uh, had over 100, I think it was 125 people from what I saw. And he quoted to a, a friend later in his life that he lost 10 years of his life teaching the boys. But he got that orchestra to Carnegie Hall in 1912, and they were invited back several times. But you can imagine, like, how crazy it is coming from, like, any, you know, knowing a skill, like, how to play a musician, uh, a mus- an instrument at a high level. How to play a musician. How to play a musician. That's actually what he did have to learn, because to wrangle, like, 125 mm-hmm. people and, yeah. like, basically be their Juilliard yeah. and, like, put them through music school. And like, I can imagine out- he, he could have been, like, a Duke Ellington. He could have been, like, killing it. Mm-hmm. Minor spoiler, uh, trying to wrangle musicians might prove his undoing later in this story. <laughs> yes, the ma- magnetic personality attracts everything sometimes and things you wouldn't want to attract. Including things made out of metal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just walking around like looking like a wooly willy, actually, a lot of the time. That's right, an anvil fell on his head. Oh. And uh, we'll get to that later. So 
Uh, yeah, huge. He shouldn't have made enemies with Wiley Coyote. Is the moral <laughs> of the story. That's right. Uh, the not the warrior. Oh yeah. Okay. So his um, yeah. World War One happened, guys and gals <laughs> and folks and friends. The World War One, and he said, "Hey, I'm gonna enlist. I'm. I want to go do my part." He saw uh, the value in coming together on a righteous team with other people, regardless of class and race and all kinds of stuff. And he def- he saw his his service as like being part in this conversation, being part in this American movement. Uh, so he was right in it and he enlisted as a private, but they put, made him a lieutenant and they saw his musical skills. So he was, uh, he, he joined Harlem's famous Hellfighters mm-hmm. division. And, uh, he he got all music. All the white musicians had kind of got deferments or got away or the or the the rich ones. So he made this band entirely out of black and Puerto Rican and Latin people, and they were the damn best band uh, there was. They went to Europe and they absolutely became a sensation over there, where they actually know and care about classical music and and uh, jazz and ragtime. What he was doing was infusing so-called Negro music uh, into the ragtime, into the jazz, into the big band. And um, his, his performances mm-hmm. at Carnegie Hall and his, his tour of Europe, like this was for a lot of people, particularly um, like, I, I think particularly like white people, the first exposure they had to jazz as an art form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They said that he's a, uh, you know, he, he was, hired to be the composer and the director for a lot of reviews and um, musicals and, and stage performances that were all black casts. And, and uh, he was one of the first people to, uh, to kind of debut that style of music, yeah, at Carnegie Hall and to, to do a lot of predominantly white works uh, with mixed and... And, uh, and this was different. also like a U.S. Army band, which I don't know if, if that is even a thing that still exists anymore. Uh, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, they all still have music. They all... Yeah, oh, my, my dad was in the band so that he didn't die in Vietnam. <laughs> so he, he joined the band and went to Korea and played trumpet. Oh, wow. Okay. And now I'm alive. Yeah, so I'm happy about that. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Um, yeah. Uh, I also want to note really quickly, because this was something when I was doing, looking up some facts on this, uh, on uh, James Reese Europe. There's a, one of the most prominent pictures of him when you do a Google image search is him standing in front of his army band. And mm. I don't see any other pictures where this is corroborated. Um, but in that picture, he clearly has one of those weird World War One masks that like. If you ever saw Boardwalk Empire, Richard Hero has like that fake face, like on the on the from the perspective of the person looking at the picture, the right side of his face, that looks pretty clearly to not be his real face. And I'm I don't see any reference to him being injured or anything like that. But it's just a very bizarre. Hmm. I'm tr- like I'm trying to find the uh... reference picture. Brian's looking it's, at. It. It's him with a couple guys. One guy is kind of looking at him sort of admiringly. With a yeah. thing covering his eye and his face, kind of? Yeah. 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 Yeah, he definitely looks... That is unsettling. Not sure what that is. He kind of has a Nick Fury look, actually. Yeah. You want to bring it back to Marvel, but... 
Yeah, we'll yeah, have yeah. to we'll have to look on the because uh, there. That's the one. Yeah. Apparently, his uh, you know he, he did not have half of his face burned off by acid spit. Or he did, <laughs> maybe he did also uh, play a stint playing the organ below a Paris opera house. <laughs> That's right. That's where I know him from. Regardless, I think we should get back on track. All right. <laughs> yes. I think we're, we're almost I think we're almost rag time itis quite a bit of more like lag time. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Lag, because we're lagging. Oh, lag time. Yeah. It's for the pun board. But of course, jag time, uh, which is on Oh, CBS fuck. Thursday. The pun. We have been neglecting the pun board, Brian. We were I supposed l- to be free of this podcast <laughs> by now. I listened to my episode. Yeah, it was 50,000 you were supposed to reach to, to earn your freedom. We're now in even more pun debt, actually. Yeah, you probably accrued yeah, way more. Yeah, there's pun, pun interest. <laughs> Pinterest, as they uh, call it. Ah! Yeah, we'll count that. Yeah, it works. Oh, definitely. That's one letter off. That's great. You know, we're a bit rusty, actually, so we'll definitely, we'll, we'll count that. Mm. So he went to war, and he came back. He had a successful tour. Um, he did his service. and That's he the can- start of a freestyle rap. He, can- he came back. It's Hamilton, too. And, uh, he-, <laughs> he went to war. He had a successful tour. It's Hamilton, but he came back, a played. white rapper. <laughs> played some more. Yeah. Uh, uh, Hamilton with white performers telling the story of black Americans. Fi- yeah, finally. <laughs> Hey, did the alt right need a Hamilton of its own? <laughs> Except they should be doing yeah, it in like Jefferson. They should be doing polka. It's like white people telling rap stories, but through polka and like li- li- country line dancing or something. Something equally horrible. All right, so he, he made it through war and the horrors of war. And uh, for all that, one night at a gig, uh, he was playing as they did, swinging, making the crowd hop, and move parts of their bodies they didn't know had independent movement. <laughs> then, Explains. during the, the, the intermission, they're hanging out backstage, and there's a drummer, one of two drummers, named Herbert Wright. And the drummers, you know drummers, first of all, you know drummers. There's two of them, and they <laughs> have a relationship. Who doesn't have a drummer in their life? Yeah. And Herbert thinks that he's always getting slighted. That the other drummer is a bad drummer, a worse drummer, but Herbert's always getting the shit from people. And we've all, you know, know the little brother type. Yeah, I and think he said something like Herbert was out of time or, or had some problems in the first half of the show and and uh, James tried to call him on it and he was like, you're always giving me shit, mm-hmm. James. Yeah, exactly. And in which case you can tell either from from the expert opinion of James Reese Europe that if they're giving Herbert shit it's because he's either not drumming as good or if by chance he is drumming as good he's just a piece of shit personality and they, you know there's someone who's just kind of inspires people to rag on him a little bit especially in ragtime band that was half of it yeah no you gotta rag on people in ragtime it was, they yeah, were... it was the original uh, roast. It was the original Comedy Central <laughs> roast. The yeah, yeah they'd, they'd have like Don Rickle jabs in between each <laughs> each verse. Lisa Lampanelli. Uh, uh, nice shirt, lose a bet. <laughs> yeah, and so... Although uh, Lisa Lampanelli during her time was considered very racially progressive. Uh, it is for Her yeah. time being the 1920s. <laughs> She had a shred where she was a, a moral kind of a compass. <laughs> I insult everyone equally. Um, anyway. Hey, I'm just playing devil's advocate. <laughs> we're all thinking it. No, we're not all there thinking was, it. There was just like an incident of her. Uh, she has a podcast called Get Stuffed. 
uh, which I'm sure is a fine podcast, whatever. Uh, but her doing the the reading of the copy for that on an advertisement for other podcasts was just so disturbing to hear her say, lean into a microphone and say, get stuffed. It sounded so threatening. Anyway, that's why Lisa Lampanelli... I think that's what that's she wants. That's why she's the queen of mean. Yeah, yeah. The fact that she could, could quiver your soul like that, mm-hmm. I think that gets her jollies. <laughs> I don't know why I'm... And Actually, I haven't also, thought about Lisa speaking Lampinelli of things, in 20 years. <laughs> think, speaking of things Lisa Lampinelli would, would enjoy, James Reese Europe uh-huh. and his, and his all-non-white ragtime symphony orchestra. Uh, so, so it's intermission. Let's set the stage again. Intermission. Intermission. It's a smoky backstage room, I assume. Everybody's smoking It's sweaty, time. all back of your neck Herbert style. Wright, Herbert Wright says, hey, hey, fucker, you're always giving me shit. And they're like, well, if you drum better, we wouldn't give you shit. We brought you all the way out to the gig. We just want you to go in time, buddy. That's all. Just do a better job in the second half. <laughs> Something like that, I'm sure. And then uh, a very, very logical response. Uh, Herbert took what is called a pen knife <laughs> and then proceeded to just jam it into the neck of James Reese Europe. Plunge it. <laughs> Plunge it deep. Uh, in and then the scuffle broke off uh, you know they separated him and James is like ouch but I'm cool don't worry about me uh, you guys play the rest of the show it's not serious feeling pretty good I'm not gonna press charges you know just go drum just have a good time drumming oh by the way is my jugular vein uh, I'm dead I'm dead now yeah I think he left the venue they bled and out then, he bled out yeah, yeah. left the venue acting cool and then, so cool uh, Fell over, taken to hospital, and died. That's yeah. it. Yeah, that is. So he's very cool. He's totally a Bruce Lee figure of music. In that, had he been able to live out the rest of his life, he would have been a legend. He would have been a name like, you know, Count Basie, Duke Ellington, or maybe even fused like Ray Charles. I mean, he would have been right. But uh, yeah. So that uh. That's showbiz, I guess. <laughs> yep. Uh-oh. Sometimes you make them laugh. Sometimes you make them cry. Sometimes, sometimes your drummer you can... stabs you in the jugular. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he uh, severed his freaking jugular, man. Jesus. And he just held a napkin on it and was like, I'm cool, Daddy-o. I'll see y'all after the show. <laughs> and then he man. moonwalked out of there. I, I, I like to think that... Uh, Herbert's drumming after that was basically like the last five minutes of Whiplash, just like the best. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Daniel, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> you know, I'm a little sad. No, it's a sad ending, but uh, Zach. But his influence is felt, and, you know, it, it's mm-hmm. still his fingerprint. Right. Is I, I on mentioned pop music, all music today. A lot of, you know. I yeah. mentioned uh, ragtime-itis because very ineloquently somebody said that his tour in Europe spread ragtime-itis through France. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were huge in France. Was this around the time of the influenza epidemic? Or no, this was a few <laughs> years after. Cause... Scarlet fever might have been the same. Yeah, just ravaged the population. No, they actually said that. Um, it's funny you brought that up because it was uh, the Paris... Uh, the Parisians and everyone in France tried to copy their style of music and just could not. <laughs> and he said that uh, going to Paris and winning them over inspired him to continue to make black music 
because and, he knew that that was his best path. He couldn't imitate the white stuff, and he had to do what was true to him. And right. And it's worth noting that it was called ragtime-itis because of the amount of time, once you had ragtime-itis, you spent coughing blood into a rag. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, otherwise known as ragtime. Yeah. There's a lot of blood into rags at that time. All kinds of... People just had multiple body rags for their orify. I mean, you really had nowhere else to put your blood other than into your body. Yeah, every person had a monogrammed blood rag that they would carry on their person (laughs) for when they needed some blood some ragtime couple leeches of ragtime yeah a little letting we gotta let go and you don't want to mix up your blood rag with your regular sweat handkerchief no mm-hmm. back of the neck and if your back yeah. of the neck's bloody then you just it's, dirt and gritty it's tough and don't even think about getting it mixed up with your semen cloth <laughs> <laughs> yes my mankerchief thank you Anyway, uh, Zach, whenever you're ready. Yes, we've managed to take a solemn so sad story and completely just are. drive it into the boner so gutter. Sc- as though we were above that on the show. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. That's true. Um, anyway. Dust off the pun board. Hello, everybody. I'm J.D. Lopez, the host of Left Hand Right Brain. It's a free-flowing, wide-ranging conversation that I have with artists doing interesting and creative things here in Denver and beyond. We talk about their personal stories, break down their creative process, and what motivates them. Spoiler alert, it's mostly spite. We talk about all these things and more while kicking back, cracking wise, and always having a good time. You can find old episodes and everything you need to know at lefthandrightbrainpod.com. Here, uh, much of what he, uh, the, the, the story of James Reeser up that we just heard was accurate. Few caveats. Mm-hmm. Um... No, he, he he played violin. He did play violin. Not caveat. Wait, what? What the fuck? I'm just making it sounds like okay. a, it sounds like a musical instrument. That, I'm just, oh, so it's, like something. Okay. In a, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Go ahead. Edit this out. His tour during World War One. It was not merely uh, you know sort of a USO uplifting the morale kind of thing, but the fact of the matter is, jazz, the unconventional music style, serves not only as a form of music but also as a code, which you can only decipher by listening to the notes they don't play. (laughs) (laughs) During his tour, uh, what was called the Reese Code, he would uh, go to various bases and play, and the trained ear could hear what was important wartime codes Mm -hmm. to deliver information from base to base inside of their music. Oh. And the future, this was a code Reese, uh, James Reese Europe himself developed and was transported through time through all of the great jazz musicians of our era. Uh, Miles Davis, for instance, mm. relayed to the future generations that Jesus totally fucked and he had kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's not just like wartime secrets. It's also like oh, no. fucking jazz Dan Brown is still shit. an active, active mm-hmm. means of code. The Reese code. <laughs> yes. All that, that empty space has been used. I, so I can wait, see why, it now. Why, did, why would Miles Davis need to encode that information? Because the Pope, Ian McKellen, <laughs> didn't want that getting out, so he tried to kill Tom Hanks. <laughs> was Ian McKellen the Pope in that movie? <laughs> he wasn't the Pope. He was just like young Pope. a secret keeper. <laughs> yeah, young Pope. I don't th- yeah, Ian Everyone's McKellen. favorite rapper, young Pope. <laughs> Ian McKellen That's is your Pope. picture of a young Pope. <laughs> <laughs> 
See, uh, all yeah, the... In the rebooted Young Pope, it's actually Ian McKellen. It's weird casting. <laughs> in, the series, in the movie Young Pope, Old Pope, where they have to they big. go to the World's Fair. Freaky, freaky Pope Friday? Yeah. <laughs> freaky Friday Mass? Road Pope. Pope Trip. Uh, <laughs> John, John Coltrane, of course translated the uh, immutable fact of who killed Laura Palmer using his music. He was. He, he was a Lynch fan. <laughs> Interestingly, he recorded it backwards and then played it forwards again. Uh, which, which the Beatles totally ripped off. Again, appropriation. <laughs> um, Thelonious Monk. Hmm. Uh, mostly what he translated was look at this racist as shit old white dude who's in the room right now <laughs> they like to call the room actually that's still a popular message with a lot of jazz music <laughs> it's like when they're doing crowd work we don't realize it that's the improvisation mm-hmm. uh, Richard Dreyfus communicated with aliens using jazz music <laughs> it, was, it was like more smooth jazz definitely and then but. and then abandoned his wife and children <laughs> at the end of the film spoiler alert. which is very musician like so you gotta give him credit for that <laughs> charlie parker resolved the age-old debate of the sopranos versus the wire versus deadwood and the secondary debate of is it worth talking to anybody who has a strong opinion of Deadwood versus The Sopranos versus The Wire? <laughs> the answer is no. Yes, it's never been and a I, trilogy. I say that as somebody who has a strong opinion. Yeah, yeah me too. I was about to say. About The Sopranos versus The Wire versus Deadwood. Which versus versus the Despicable wire, Me. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we just throw versus some stuff the in there. Me. It yeah. is The Wire, though. It yeah. is kind of The Wire. Deadwood um, second. And most a distant third. No shit. And the secret message of most jazz music nowadays is leave the bar as fast as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Boom, jazz slam. That one's the active notes. But (laughs) but that's not all there was to it wasn't just the Reese code that that he was famous for. Um, John Reese Europe was actually an amalgamation of two names. one, the Reese came from the fact that he introduced the Reese's peanut butter cup to Europe. Everybody knows. Mm-hmm. But more influentially, John Race Europe, because he participated in the famous post-war European race that occurred to reunite the countries after the fractious thing that was World War One. Okay. Oh, the race. So... There was an international race between all the participants of World War One intended to heal the wounds in the spirit of competition that <laughs> World War One had left. Friendly competition. Yeah, let's not race is not like a race in terms of racial thing. It was a literal race. <laughs> right. And John uh, John Race Europe was pre- was selected to uh, participate and eventually win the race. Hence, getting the name. John race Europe. Uh, of course, it was a it was a race for Nazi gold. <laughs> wait, wait, what? Now, World War, this is the World War One Nazi gold. You you might the think that stuff. oh the Nazis didn't exist immediately after World War One, but it was only called that because it was a four pieces of gold that spelled out the word Nazi. Yes. But if you rearranged them, they spelled out the word zany because these were some zany races. <laughs> Would you call them wacky races? Zany with an eye, baby. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say they were wacky races, but he did have to face off such competitors as Dick Dastardly, <laughs> Muttley, 
Penelope Pitstop. And of course, a young Herman Goring. Who, uh... Damn it. Every trick was on the books. Banana peels, dynamite, tunnels painted on the side of sheer cliffs. Nothing was off limit for these wacky, I mean, zany racers. Yes, copyright. Zany, right, competitors. These zany competitors, but uh, uh, after going through the Netherlands, France, Switzerland, Germany, and Italy, uh, James Race Europe beat them all to accumulate and catch that Nazi gold. I, I mean, really, zany I gold. I really wish you had said the Netherlands, Holland, the place where the Dutch live, Amsterdam. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tulip Town, Listen, Windmill Lady. I am Indian. so hot, my brain is boiling inside my skull. So you're lucky you're getting this much. Yeah, this hot racing action. Uh, I bet he like he played music and like blasted a horn into Muttley's ear like right before the finish line, something good like that. <laughs> you we may also, be wondering. After he, hope. after he won this race and, and, and won the zany gold, what happened to that gold in the later part of his life? Well, James, uh, John hit it very, very, he hit it uh, very, very well. No one ever found it. I kept on saying, John, it's James. Mm-hmm. John was his brother, actually. I mean, you also said race Europe, so. Yeah, so we're, we're in alternate history. Let's call him Jim. <laughs> Anyways, James hit the goal. It was never found. Although he also hid uh, his masterpiece composition, a new jazz national anthem called uh, John's uh, James Lost Masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Again, my brain, <laughs> my brain is boiling in my skull in this plus ninety degree weather. Yep. Would you would you say uh, would you say he had a lot of pieces out there? Uh, he had one in particular. He had he had Reese's pieces Thank that you. were going around. There it is. Most of them have been <laughs> found. That's the answer judges wanted. All of Reese's pieces except for one. <laughs> Reese's masterpieces. Reese's masterpiece has not been found. It was a new national anthem, um, which dis- which people say the Reese's code inside of it discloses the location. Of his lost zany gold. <laughs> and it still hasn't been found, though word is Nicolas Cage is looking for this national treasure <laughs> to try and uh, unravel Reese's me- Meesteries. <laughs> At least you're getting a good stretch in the heat. I, uh,. I don't want to pull back the curtain too much, but now that we are able to record with video, like hearing Zach's voice when he makes that sort of joke was already a treasure, but seeing just the look in your eyes when you're making that sort of verbal stretch. I didn't my favorite I did, thing in the world. I didn't have Reese's Mr. Reese's written down. I came up with that just now and decided to say it. Just somewhere in the pool of liquid that was your brain. Yeah, <laughs> big old and, case of sweaty brain here. And dear friends, the story of the Reese's Code and the European race and the zany gold and Reese's mysteries—I don't know—I pronounced it differently. That's the true story of James Reese Europe. I'm done. <laughs> 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 but but look for more in National Treasure Three. Uh, oh yes, the Reese, jazz party. The Reese's monkey. <laughs> the Reese's I'm surprised that monkey wasn't involved. Also, 
This uh, is fucking do the right thing over here in Chicago. It's the hottest day of the year, and I have no air conditioning in this room. Put down that trash can, Zach. It's not worth it. It's a lovely pizzeria. Fucking, I've had enough of John Chaturro's shit, okay? Look, I a, mean, we all have. He's an asshole, but the crust is so good. Come on. Uh, um, before, we, uh, before we move on to judgment and save Zach's brain... Um, I just want to mention that uh, we ask that you write review the, of the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcast service you choose, because uh, that's mad helpful, yo. Uh, you can Don't also say that, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on the other hand, I could say it. A lot of people just closed the window they opened. They're like, mm, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. You know what? If you hate this podcast and you want to throw a speak. trash can through the window of the revisionists... The most effective way is to write us a five-star review on iTunes. And believe me, Zach would welcome that sort of ventilation right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, uh, you can leave us a comment or ask us a question at revisionistpodcast.com. And uh, reach out to us on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that. Um, also, we're a proud member of the Denver Podcast Network uh, with such shows as One More Shot, one of the new shows on the network, uh, which is uh, people's stories of having to reinvent themselves. Uh, and it's a really great podcast. It's by Elaine Grant, uh, formerly of Colorado Public Radio. Uh, so check out One More Shot uh, and all the shows at denverpodcast.net. Um, Daniel, you host a, you host a, a new show, mm. fairly new, uh, Democracy, though. Mm. Uh, do you want to tell the people? about it yes i think i will uh it's a political comedy show uh doing with sex pot comedy um and andy jewett and a bunch of fun people but yeah it's essentially we're kind of taking a bite out of uh bill maher's format for uh colorado politics in specific we have a panel we have a comedian we got interviews surprises different things uh, uh minus the, the smarminess the, yeah the minus yeah accidental minus the overt racism the and hatred comedy of tolerance. from 1940s uh we Did think you know asian drivers are just fine here true story up until like one or two years ago Bill Maher was still making Sarah Palin jokes. <laughs> I'm surprised he's not still doing you that. Know, I'm, he may I, well. He I've may been well still so be. like intrigued by the the lashback of like the uh, the <laughs> younger comedy generations against Bill Maher because I still kind of I still kind of consider him an elder in that like. I don't I, like I think, a lot of what he has to say, but I respect a ton of what he's done. I yeah. think my biggest issue with him is less like there's a lot of the like he's not as like uh, with uh, the current cultural attitudes of some things. But my in terms of comedy, my biggest problems with him has always been, oh, man, are those monologue jokes the laziest fucking jokes there's, you could ever. They're make. like a step yeah. above Jay Leno for sure. They're yeah, they're way yeah. low hanging fruit on some of those monologue mm -hmm. jokes. I mean, I also feel like once like John Stewart and like later on Colbert kind of hit their stride, it's sort of that model sort of started showing its age a little bit. But anyway, uh, not, yeah, I mean, people updated it, but actually, it and, I do yeah, think our monologue I do think, is tight though. To the yeah. credit of your idea for the show, 
his format for a show is great. I mm-hmm. actually love the idea of a very freewheeling, uncensored conversation mm-hmm. at a roundtable because very few show, very few shows do that. So mm-hmm. I think it's a great model. Totally, and it, it takes the conversation places it just wouldn't go in a, like a scripted or a normal kind of regimented. And the fact, yeah, we had a we did homelessness, we did gun violence, and we did pot. Um, yeah, think, you did. Yeah, and we're gonna do like voting or or Me Too or something next. But um, yeah, every third Wednesday. Uh, at Denver Open Media down there in their Studio A. It's a great place, 7 o'clock. It's free, and it's right down the street from uh, The Narrators, which is a Denver, one of Denver's hallowed storytelling mm-hmm. shows, um, which is right after our show. So come out and check them both out. And, um, yeah, sexpotcomedy.com uh, has all that stuff. So Datmocracy, though. Hell yeah. Zach, uh, Stage of Fools is... Uh facing an uncertain future might be in its final uh, stage shortly <laughs> after this comes out uh we'll release um our wrap-up for the fourth season of uh, the royals and after that who the fuck knows if it's canceled we'll do one more episode looking back at the series if by some unbelievable chance it continues Look for us in the year 2023 when they finally fucking finish production on season five. Also, when you said by some unbelievable chance, part of me thought you were going to say miracle. Me too. I'm just like, I don't. I I was going to say, would you classify that as a miracle? No, I'm I'm too savvy to. I know that this is an evil entity that exists in our culture. (laughs) All life is precious, even the life of the royals on the evening. yeah we're like that insane person who watches like this one nefarious aspect of so of society and it's like most people are like it's not worth your time to look at it but we know deep down this could become a problem for the whole of society <laughs> so we vigilantly watch that it doesn't infect the rest yes. of the world you're you're, uh, you're the vaccination uh-huh um cultural vaccination thank you <laughs> mm-hmm. um as for me, I'll be uh, guest hosting Queen City Companion on June 7th at Mutiny, uh, all fall storytelling show, uh, which is great. And I'll also be on uh, New Money in Boulder, Colorado, June 13th uh, at License Number One Tavern. Come check that out. There's a great lineup there. Um, I'll also I'll have a fiction piece in the upcoming issue of Cherry Magazine, which physical copies will be available around the city of Denver and... Uh, you can get a digital copy uh, online, uh, search Cherry Magazine, and uh, if you subscribe to their Patreon, you can get digital issues and everything like that. Um, and also, I have a new website, FlynnComedy.com. Whoa, Pluggy McGee over here. Yeah, I forgot about that. I didn't that realize we were reading our credits. I know, right? So I uh, opened one time for uh, Doug Stanhope. Well, uh, I was a no. C-section uh, <laughs> January 30th. Uh, I should not give my actual... That That's was not a, my actual. That was birth. a big opener for you. That yeah. was a big... <laughs> well, it's not. It was a more of a big opener for my mom. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> but you got a new website, huh? Got some new uh, RSS feeds, some buzzes, some whistles, and yeah, I'm gonna try to actually maintain a blog, which is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also just for like booking, and there's uh, some fiction and stuff on there too. So FlynnComedy.com. Um, but I think the time has come for judgment. Uh, in this case, um, and both uh, both of these stories are really good. I'm having a really hard time deciding, and 
usually when that's the case, I'll keep talking until a decision comes out of my mouth. Um, so you got to work it out, you know, see how you feel. Yeah. Daniel, your story was very uh, well researched and you got, I think, a lot into uh, his uh, emotional state of, too and what he was experiencing, which I enjoyed also. And uh, Zach, yours, your alternate history opens up the possibility of like Illuminati bullshit uh, and like bad pope stuff and franchising hello uh, got that we're deep. talking about a three movie series here yeah. that's what it yeah opens hashtag up. bad pope <laughs> bad pope <laughs> that is like an 80s cop which i think I is see. what ratzenberg right that, that's yeah. hashtag bad pope benedict the 16th yeah he was a bad pope <laughs> we've had a lot of bad popes though uh alexander the second most of um, them are dead, though. Yeah. No, I I mean, all but two popes are dead, so... Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, this sounds like the next podcast idea, in case that show isn't renewed. To be fair, historically, that is a surplus of popes. <laughs> we are living in a historic pope surplus that we, will, we may never see again. I mean, there was the time of the anti-popes, too. So, I mean... There was no Pope at that time? Well, you no. know what? The anti-Pope storyline was one of my least favorite Marvel, Marvel yeah. storylines. Because then there's like the time really travel confusing. mucked it all up, right? Just... Well, no, the Pope and the anti-Pope met, and then there was an explosion. <laughs> and that's what destroyed Atlantis. Yeah, and uh... Watu the Watcher was like, this is some crazy shit. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Namor the Submariner was like, fuck this, I gotta get out of here. That's DC! No, Where Namor is, the... is Marvel. Is he? Yeah. Okay. No, no, he's an awful character. Where does Stan Lee pop up? That's where know. you'd think he'd be DC, because he's terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's a cardinal. Stan Lee was a cardinal, and he's yeah. like, Oh, I missed it. Are nice. we still covering up this child abuse? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about the boy rape. <laughs> now that I'm a victim Excelsior. of elder <laughs> abuse, I don't know if I like child abuse. Our, our Stan Lee impression is getting a little Jerry Seinfeld, I feel like. Hey, uh, welcome down to Deadpool. <laughs> It's a little squeaky voice teen from Simpsons. Uh, that did not help me make a decision at all. Um, I'm going to cast my vote for, uh, no one take for it the personal. alternate history just for jazz code so we can use that in the future, I think. But listeners, um, no, it's I up like to the you. alternate history here. Uh, it's up to you now. Uh, if you bought your right to vote on Patreon, uh, do that. But for everyone here at The Revisionist, I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers, and if I die between in the next three minutes, bury me in a block of ice like Captain Fucking America or Walt Disney. What What do you want future generations to know your last words? Oh, God. Um, hey, uh, I may be feeling heat now, but if global warming is true, it's nothing compared to what you're feeling, buddy. If global warming is... Why even Okay, it is true. Now? It is true. If we why? don't fight, if we don't stop it, Listen. And then a bunch of gurgling noises. Because <laughs> heat stroke set in. Laughs last last laugh is on you, future generations, because you feel this heat all the time. <laughs> uh, this happened off air, but Zach is definitely we not wearing pants. He's wearing, uh, well, short pants. I don't want to make it seem like... Him and Paddington Bear. Not wearing yeah, Paddington is Yeah, I'm going with the Paddington look of long jacket, no pants. <laughs> I mean, Let's why would you even wear a Sailor hat at this yeah. point? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just Winnie the Pooh it, baby. Mm. Uh, and you know what? I think Paddington was first, so it should really be called Paddington it. <laughs> right, instead well, of just, Donald it ducking it, work, so I've heard too. Yeah. it. Yeah. Um, 
there's a lo- I don't know who's long older. tradition of shirt, no pants. Anyway. Yeah, who's the first perverted character cartoon to, to start this trend? I really like Yogi burying it where you have a collar, a collar with no shirt. Formal, yes. And a tie, but nothing else. <laughs> and... Well, no, you There's have swingers parties that have the same wardrobe. Oh, that's right. You have like a little, a little <laughs> God, short brim fedora hat. What yeah. a creep! Um, All right, what a what a strange ending turn. Showing up to the picnic in a tie, a collar, and a fedora, and nothing else. And walking away with the picnic basket too. Yeah. Why does he even get invited to these things? I, he traditionally doesn't. <laughs> Um, and I'm Daniel Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn in Yogi Bear Picnic listen, Crashers. We've got too long. I'm dying. Of, I, I'm yeah, only let's babbling. Get the because... fuck out of here. <laughs> For everyone here at the Revision, it's I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. Have a time good. Have a good time. Bye bye. <laughs> I'm Daniel.